stupid AC unit I bought broke. No. So I have to really keep the air circulating throughout this apartment. <laughs> did you get a refund at least? Oh, I got the refund. That's right. That's right, you did. I'm waiting for you to have like a uh, the kind of unit people use to cool their weed storage. It's going to be like a fucking meat locker in here. So. What I need is what the girl who lives on the first floor who has like a bunch of uh, baby Yoda plush toys in the window. Yeah. She, she's got like five AC units. She has like a unit in every window of her. What? Yeah, it's wild. Wait, you got to get to know her. I want to know what that mystery is. I don't want to know her. You I've, do, though. Come I on. I, I, I've gotten... I hear enough. I hear enough. I think enough about it. I pass her door. She's always listening to, like, Harry Styles. Jesus Christ. That kind of energy that requires that much cooling is uh, <laughs> is a little scary. But, oh, that's fair. Yeah. But maybe, I, maybe she's the one. She might be. <laughs> you ending up with like a like a truly sick Star Wars head would be the greatest thing I've ever witnessed. Like she's only happy on days that new Funko Pops are dropped. Mm, sounds kind of hot, actually. Well, look, <laughs> you see, I'm having a shitty beer today. It looks fancy. It's not. This is sure? a this is a this is basically Korean ice house. Oh shit! I gotta try that. It's good. It's really cheap too. How cheap? It's like four ninety nine for a six. Not bad. That's cheap. I not mean, bad. that's as cheap as you're gonna find it these days. No, not true. Not true. Regularly at the Jewel Osco, you can get the sixer of the uh, <laughs> of the Black Ice House uh, for four thirty five before tax. <laughs> All right, welcome to another edition of Oscar Bay. You've got the uh, you got the beer corner, which we love to bring to you, because yep. um, we know we got a lot of. Uh, I don't know if you can you say hopheads because I think that means something else. What does that mean? Let's take a quick. All right, break. well, you know, hit our hit our DMs. Let us know. We're always trying to grow. Hopheads. Hop, what is that in reference to? Well, I was just going to use it as like, oh, they love hops and beer. I mean, but if that counts as a derogatory thing. Okay, maybe I'm the only one that made a derogatory. (laughs) Yeah, wait, does that, I think that, yep, that definitely means that you're just racist. I think so. It just sounds kind of racist. How? Hop? It sounds like, like, like. uh, It rhymes with WAP, your favorite? That's not a slur. (laughs) It just sounds like hop, like they they get hopped up on. (laughs) Opiate. <laughs> All right, let's take let's start it back from the beginning. Uh, this episode's called "Hopped Up with Armin." Crack a beer and uh, let's go. First off, already cracked. Yeah, yeah, we're we're cracked over here because we're you know this is Oscar bait and uh, we're we got to bring you the news. We got a couple of quick quick things to get off our chest here that we have been. Uh, My titties are heavy. Yeah, Will's got to get breast reduction surgery because his back hurts. No, I think I have shingles, though. That's fun. Do you actually think you have shingles? Yeah. <laughs> I've been, like, I've been like fevery and fucking shitty sick for, like, the last week, but I keep oh. not having COVID, which I'll be honest, 
I've been bummed because I I would love to have a forced five days off from work. Um, so I keep fucking testing and nothing. And then today this crazy rash on my stomach showed up. And that's, you know, that's usually the... Isn't that monkeypox? No, 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 no. Don't you I get like it. rashes? Yeah, yeah, but it's not, don't worry. Not that kind of shit. I think Will has monkeypox, everybody. Breaking news. Hit the DMs and tell us if you think Will has monkeypox. <laughs> and tell me if you gave it to me. Yeah, I was going <laughs> to say, I can get you COVID. I, I, could, I got a guy. You know, come on. I have been nothing but reckless since day one. Remember when lockdown started and I was the person working census going door to door? Literally yeah. started. Yeah. It's crazy I have not had it, but I can't catch a fucking break. <laughs> I mean, you could just say you have it. Do you know how many times I've used COVID to I get can't, though. I feel guilty. It's the, pro- the problem. I haven't done that. Let me make a timestamp. I have not. Ever- <laughs> no, the problem is I always, it's the thing I, I make a mistake with. I care too much about the jobs I have, even when they're not related to movies right like because i care about these dogs too much yeah but some they're not going to just have abandoned dogs but there are so few of us right now because times are hard that it it wouldn't be great if anyone had to work any more than they already are we're all dying (laughs) okay well you're a man of people you know i think i've got shingles but okay it's cool or do what just make sure you're in good health by the middle of september I'm fine. Shingles isn't, you don't have to go to the doctor for shingles unless you're old. Do we have any updates on our, uh, on our print that we're looking for? Nope. I've called in the mystery men squad. So you got, you got Kel, Kel's on it. Oh, everybody. Janine's yeah. there. Hank Azaria. Macy's there. Hank Azaria's there. Even, you know what? Even Michael Bay's odd brief cameo might show up if we need it. Yeah, we'll have to do a Mystery Men episode at some point. We do also. We have to do a Mystery Men highs and lows. I've been I've been pondering on it. It's a tough one to crack, but it'd be worth it. Heroic trio. No, that's not a high. It was for Hong Kong box office. Well, yeah, that's not a high. That's a low. You're so racist. You only see things in a <laughs> an American imperialistic lens. Yeah, because China hates imperialism. <laughs> Okay. All right. Now that we've gotten the beer corner out of the way and we've gotten the uh, talk talk shop corner out of the way, let's move on. Here comes the the news theme song. It's news time, everybody. It's good. You chose one. And uh, let's just see what is going on today. Well, there's really only one thing we can really talk about. What is it? Right now, people. And that's um, apparently we're going to find out Army Hammer eats people. No, we're not going to talk about that. First off, the news. Here's the news. It's news time. And, yeah, everyone's talking about what's going on at a studio called Warner Brothers. Have you heard rumblings of stuff that's been happening? My favorite, and I truly mean this only with love because we don't need to get into it in this episode, but this man did do a lot for your favorite thing that I say for a small town boy. Um, Kevin Smith had some, as usual, absolutely ineloquent, but full of hearts things to say uh, about what's happened with Batgirl. The film where that imagines could Batman be a, be a girl. 
And not just a girl, but a girl of Latin descent. Mr. Smith really thought that that was a faux pas. <laughs> Which is truly why I love him. Because again, that, that whole quote, is one of the clunkiest, like, dumb shit stone things I've ever read. But again, just like his movies, there's a reason I think we keep returning to his movies, humans do, because there's always goodness there. He just he just can't get it out in any sort of, like, well-delivered way. You know, his heart's always, 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 always in the right place. Can't come during sex, but he puts in the effort, and you're like, all right. Well, not the effort. He, I'm not he, taking that personally. <laughs> It used to be his joke that he loved. He loved being the fat dude because women never expected him to be on top because he wouldn't put any work in. <laughs> oh, yeah. Didn't he also have that thing that was like, I still eat my wife's pussy like uh, she's a stranger on the street and I bust a nut every time. Yeah, which I believe. Have you ever seen those two in the same room? No, but that's not, it was a really sweet. I liked that tweet. That tweet. It is. It is. I was like, that's it no, they're, they're it seems nice. Well, let's save our Kevin Smith uh, thoughts. <laughs> well, we'll probably get back to him when Clerks 3 comes out because uh, we will see that opening day yeah. and we'll have the report back. We'll probably get invited to the premiere, if we're yeah. being honest. Yeah. So staying on target, we are talking about Warner Brothers. Or should I say Warner Brothers Discovery? They are now with the Discovery Channel. They have this guy, David Zaslav. <laughs> Who just, I mean, he looks like a piece of shit. What what else can you say? Like yeah, he, he energy across the board, and everyone's mad because he's gotten rid of a movie that had a Latinx uh, Batgirl, and it had some like uh, I don't know. Are they? Uh, I don't know. What, what's the? It also had Michael Keaton. It had Michael Keaton, but are the directors like Iranian or something? Because I know that that was like... Oh, yeah, yeah, I think so. Because they, they made... What's the TV show? They made some of the episodes of that. That was the great thing online where people showing like... They were like, how did they do this scene in Miss Marvel, you wonder? Where it's like <laughs> a character go, falling on her back and the camera like goes... It's, it looks like a, a shot that would be in a Target commercial. <laughs> but somehow the press engines really online were trying to be like... Because the new thing online is to be like, look at this scene from a movie and look how good it is. The one perfect shot syndrome. Okay, yeah. It's like, so that, when people, it's like when people flip shit in the dark night in the scene when, when Heath Ledger's hanging his head out the window and that semi flips over. And people yeah. are like, how did they do that? And the answer is they flipped a semi over. Yeah, which is way more interesting, though, than a girl laying on a couch and they're like, man, the camera had to flip upside down whoa to show her euphoric sensation of uh, i don't know lying on the couch which i've got chills that is powerful i do really feel that when i lie on my couch too so but these filmmakers adil l arby and bilal fala okay it could be iranian i'm not gonna look it up so i'm really sorry to anyone who we've offended there but (laughs) It doesn't really matter. I you offended anyone with your pronunciation. I think I did it good. <laughs> oh, they're Moroccan. Wow. Wow. Okay. Well, good thing I can cut everything that I just said there. So, these Moroccan filmmakers. 
who I'm just gonna be honest. I will put their pictures up. They also look like gigantic douchebags. <laughs> they look truly like I mean. Oh, good God! Yeah. My my point been made. Jesus. Yeah. That's the. I anyway. So these guys, <laughs> they look like real uh, sinnies, you know, like dudes that probably made a really misunderstood progressive film. <laughs> I just happened to think that this Dave Zaslav guy just really couldn't handle. What is this trend with two filmmakers now, too? What's the deal? Why do they need two of these guys? I mean, maybe it's hard to harder to be meaner. Mm-hmm. I don't yeah. know. I'm, I'm gonna talk to my contacts in the FBI, and we're gonna get to the bottom of this. I mean, maybe it's maybe it's just the universe balancing itself because since the Cohen split up, and obviously we've learned that that's not a good idea. Uh, maybe the universe is like, fuck, we have to find something. We have to find a new ballast. (laughs) Maybe. I mean, that really could be it. I I don't, I really don't know, but apparently, oh, they did do Bad Boys for Life. Awesome. Cool. (laughs) That movie sucks so much. Um, Okay. Well, apparently, well, it was just DC. I mean, they're they're fucking, they're fucking up right now because now they have this Batgirl movie. And no one's talking about the Scooby-Doo movie that also got shelved, which, you know. That's right. I mean, also, look, dog? let's be honest. We all know what's going to happen. Obviously, this is going to come out. One I mean, day. You want my tinfoil hat? Yeah, but they're getting attacked. But if it comes out, then this tax write-off that they've done, they won't make back the $95 million if no. it's released. I don't think it was ever shelved. Hmm. Okay, no, I like this. No, come on. This is definitely marketing. Come on. You guarantee that you light the entirety of the internet on fire about your movie right during a merger, which if you just did the merger, people would talk about the actual implications of a merger of two of the biggest <laughs> demons on earth joining forces. Instead, everyone's just like, wow, you guys are fucking pieces of shit because mm-hmm. you didn't put out this this incredible background movie and now they guarantee even if it's a piece of shit everyone loves it and so dc then and it's a smart move as we're on the eve of marvel coming back with black panther 2 it's a really smart move to guarantee that everyone fucking lives for the latest dc movie because then if you put this thing out in theaters now everyone goes to see it you you know what you may not be wrong on that i'd say I think I, there's a sound effect for Will gets a point. <laughs> boo, 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 boo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You, you, I mean, I do think you could be that. I do think it could also be this guy hot shotting around to try and be like, I'm the no hold bar, like new film studio head. And I don't <laughs> fuck around. Because, I think that's part of it. Yeah. But then like, I don't know if he even told Warner Brothers. That's what I mean, though. I think this is a one-person decision that he knows he's going to reverse. Well, yeah, but they also now have to worry about, like, what they're going to do with... So, you're, I mean, you could be right, but they are worried about what they're going to do with their stupid uh, DC Universe because apparently... Um, so you mentioned Michael Keaton's in it. So I'm assuming that they're also thinking of this as a way to save the Michael Keaton returning as Batman thing because he's there. He took him out of the new Aquaman and they replaced him with Ben Affleck and 
I guess he was in this one. So now he can have his big appearance in the It Director's Flash movie, which was going to be directed by Robert Zemeckis at one point. But we're also in trouble because Ezra Miller can't keep it together. Thank you for bringing that up. So Will's favorite crush, Ezra Miller. We'll see if he's still... Uh, They're fucking hot, man. I, that. I, I really... I'm not going to read the entire Deadline article, but so there's a burglary... Burglary... Bur- Mm. burglary related incident that's why everyone knows you're not butchering names on purpose when you can't say words like burglary no i'm illiterate (laughs) i'm stupid um (laughs) he apparently broke into some like someone's house and stole a bunch of alcohol yeah will do you have any uh, comment on that kind of behavior never heard of it Okay. I didn't so, steal alcohol from strangers. I stole alcohol from people who I loved and they trusted me dearly. So thank you very much. Well, I guess we don't know if this is a strangers yet because he also has scandals going on for breaking into someone's house uh, earlier, right? Didn't this happen? He like broke into been, someone. Like Ezra has been left and right. Yeah. Ever, he was, since, ever since, truly like ever since what? We're like two years back now, two, three years back. Nothing but controversy. Throwing chairs at people. Choking people. Choking people. Grooming a grooming like an indigenous person. Yeah, no, they're like they're clearly off the rock, right? Mm, yeah, that's one way you could put it. Um to be to be gross about it, they're really losing it, but they're still really hot. Okay, uh, you can write in and tell us what you think about that claim. All of you are lying if you don't think about those cheekbones on the radio. I, I don't. I think he's creepy looking. Okay, here is a couple of paragraphs I want to read real quick. It says, so having weathered previous Miller scandals so far, the David Zaslav run Warner Brothers Discovery has so far maintained that Flash is still set for June 23rd, 2023. However, this latest turn of events could take it to a whole new lane. Blah, blah, blah. Warren Brothers did not respond. Here's a great uh, part. The studio has been attempting to intercede with Miller over the fa- past few months as incident after incident has occurred, sources tell us. Whether or not these efforts will bear fruit is TBD. Yet, if non-binary identifying Miller has anything resembling a standard Hollywood agreement, it would follow that there is a morals cause somewhere in their contract. Okay. I just thought it was funny that they had to throw in that he's non-binary identifying because that's so crucial to this, to the charges at stake here. I feel like the fog lift a bit, right? Because I feel like by that kind of stuff often in articles like that (laughs) is people checking off their virtue signaling boxes, but it doesn't work anymore because people are like, yeah, I I have no problem referring to them as they, but still fuck them. (laughs) Here we are. Yeah, here we are. So, uh oh, I'm getting a call. Wow, professional. Hello? Can I answer it? Wow. Oh, be right right there. Great. Thank you. Uh, I had to to do something extremely bougie and order food because I have nothing in my kitchen and I was busy all day today hanging shelves and doing work. Okay. So, I am going to run downstairs just real quick. Come on, get it. And then we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna talk about something. Sure. Is there anything you want to bring up while I'm gone? Wow, that wasn't even a minute. That was so fast. Oh, I fucking 
died. What did you say? Did you say bad things about me? No, I really didn't say anything. Okay. Normally I do. I didn't this time. I had to, you know, it's like I could just go to the, like the corner taco place and get a $2 taco, but I'm trying to diet again, okay? Yeah, and instead you wanted to help put a business under. Yeah, of course. <laughs> you made sure they got 38 cents of the whole order. Hey, you got a good cash to see. I don't tip on these delivery things. I tip in cash. Damn. Yeah. Wow. Man, I'm, I'm clearly out of shape. I just ran those fucking stairs. Folks, I gotta get back in shape. My job, man. I run up and down the stairs for nine hours every day. I know. Listen, I used to be so in shape. I was like bench pressing. I was doing all this shit. I mean, look, low key, you should be a little bit embarrassed that I'm in better shape than you. I am. I'm deeply. (laughs) But it's just today was a rough. It was just like what I've just been eating like crap. So. I had some credit for an online ordering thing that I've never used. It was like, this is a perfect time to cash in and get some sushi tonight. You know, some, some yellowtail, some white tuna. Not too bad. Yeah, it's not too bad. It was, it was extremely cheap, so I, it could be really terrible. So anyway, Warner Brothers. A lot I of mean, people... They, they had, yeah, Scooby. Wasn't well, there something else, Warner Brothers too? Yeah, there is something, which to me is way more important than any of this crap. Apparently... The rumor is around town, our boy, Mr. Clint Eastwood, went in to pitch his next movie, whatever that is going to be, and they said no. Wow. In the entire history, I mean, how long is that? That's over 50 years. When did he start with Warner Brothers? I think, I mean, as long as he's had Malpaso, so that's got to be like around Magnum Force, maybe? Or um, Thunderbolt and Lightfoot? Fuck. Damn. I know. Like, no. Well, people might know, the Zaslav guy, it leaked in emails a couple months ago um, that he apparently was pissed that Cry Macho ever got made and said that we need to quit handing out favors to these people. Wow. You not see this leaked memo? Oh, he just is because they're and even like his little limbing underlings are like, well, Mr. Eastwood has had a relationship with the studio for like 60 years. And he's brought this studio so much more respectability and like awards than anybody. And he's got his own spot on the lot. Like you can't even get to his like side. You know, he's just over there feeding squirrels, just being a lovely human. And (laughs) apparently, yeah, this is. They've ended it. It's, Damn, dude. I mean, when beyond, what is it? Beyond the Garden of Good and Evil, when that's your low point, working with the studio, you're doing just fine. And that movie made money and got buzzed, so it was like... It always does. He never doesn't make it back, does he? Well, I'm sure a couple times, but... I guarantee... Rarely, it, I, rarely. I, I bet never, honestly. At I least he always made it back. Surely at least break even every time. Totally, because he's never over budget. He's oh. always on time. He's annoyingly on time. <laughs> it's like freakishly always on time. Damn, Clint. All right. Well, it's about to be a sick new world. A24 presents Clint Eastwood. Like, <laughs> bodies, bodies, world. bodies by Clint Eastwood. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it would be cool if someone could leak what he pitched. Because even if it's like a bad pitch, they would. Well, he's going to Hollywood. He'll find a way. We'll hear about it. We'll see the movie. 
I know. Because well, someone will pick hey, this up. It's Clint, man. Yeah. I mean, of course, Cry Macho didn't make money. It was re- done during the pandemic. Like, I bet it did, though, because he's also huge in foreign markets and shit. That's why he's smart. And that's why yeah. he definitely always breaks even. Because if it yeah. doesn't hit in the U.S., fucking Kaiju Cinema comes everywhere about it every time. <laughs> right, right. And whether in some people I was talking to the other night uh, were making the case, well, well, Cry Macho is a lesser. F- it's like, yeah, maybe, and maybe it's his most like lightweight film in a long time. But uh, this guy is deserved of a breezy movie. Maybe he redoes breezy. <laughs> maybe that's why they said no. Just like once and for all, I think the term lesser was only designed to like stoke the ego and get laid the person saying it. I think that's a bullshit term in film culture and I fucking hate it more than anything. It has no, it has no fucking value. Cause also if you have any guts, what you mean, what most people mean is I didn't like this, but I can't admit that I didn't like it because fucking Pedro Almodovar directed it or because whoever directed it, they can't just say, I didn't like one of their movies, which is okay. It's like when we talk about I'm so excited in Almodovar land. I fucking right. love that movie. I will go to the mat that it's not fucking lesser or any of that shit. But I have respect for people like you who just say, no, that movie sucks. <laughs> <laughs> you don't, you've never once said to me it's lesser. You've just said, I think it sucks. <laughs> yeah, it's just not good. Yeah, just like fucking grow up. Lesser's not real. That's bullshit. <laughs> Our group. <laughs> That's what we do for you guys here. We're squashing, we're squashing the things you hate hearing the most from film bros at parties. Even though it's less a Hitchcock, fuck off. <laughs> if I hear one more lesser about trouble with Harry, I'm gonna pee in someone's mouth. <laughs> oh, like you would hate doing that. No, not not in a consensual way. Oh. <laughs> No. no, while they're while they're saying the word lesser before they can get to the uh, yeah, they'll have my pee in their mouth. <laughs> you don't want that pee, folks. No, God, oh, I have nasty piss. Yeah, you you'll get HIV. You'll get um. No, not even that exciting. It's just full of like fucking self hate and malaise. Doesn't taste good. Which is worse than most venereal diseases. <laughs> worse than HIV. Worse than HIV. <laughs> Um, so changing times apparently are coming for Warner Brothers. Damn. Mr. Clint Eastwood. I got to be honest with that news, which I truly had no idea about. I now take back what I said earlier, even though I do still think Batgirl will come out. I no longer now think it was a planned thing. Yeah. That's what I mean. This dude clearly got like a bone to pick. Yeah. That's what I think it is. I think he's. No, you're right, because that's yeah. that's a crazy move. Because also Clint is so low stakes. Because again, he yep. makes it back. He makes it back always. It doesn't hurt yeah. anybody. It doesn't. And even when even when people don't like his politics, it has zero effect because it's so low key. Because no one cares. Because he's fucking 312 years old. Right. And even if people are you know thinking his movie's racist or whatever, no one's gonna like. It's not gonna affect anything. Which is the most tired, next to lightweight, saying that Clint Eastwood makes like inherently conservative movies is to me the most tired fucking expression. Because well, I, I, I really do not believe that his politics are accurately deflect or reflected in like the the trade papers that review him. 
I mean, it's all, it's all just, it's the same as lesser where it just reveals that you're not actually here to think about the movies at all. Right. Just here to get laid. You're just here to get a gig. Yeah. And again, again, I respect people who are like, I don't like it. (laughs) Whether it's because of how it's said or how it's made or whatever, I can have respect for that. But if your thing is always, well, the Clint Eastwood is too conservative for me. Nah, that's bullshit. You haven't watched him. You haven't actually watched him. (laughs) I love him. That is going to be a sad day when that motherfucker goes. Might never. There are people that have been alive a lot longer that should not be alive, which are most like political donors, and they're living and like well, they're vampires though. Yeah, they they really are. Which okay, I gotta gotta stay on track. I just read a book about the Franklin credit scandal. No, 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 no not this episode. Let's not. No, what's up next? Oh, we, have we doing, re- doing really well. our destination on this bullet train? <laughs> oh yeah, we're gonna we're talking about bullet train, a movie that should have come out in two thousand seven. <laughs> um, that movie is so funny. Like just seeing like like I saw a thing for it the other day. Weirdly enough, in front of uh, saw the new White Cafe movie. Which oh yeah, yeah, how was that? Really good, actually. Like shockingly better okay. than I expected. I mean, uh-huh. has he had any misses? You had me thinking about it because I had no idea that was coming out. Has he missed? I mean, none of the films that he's he did with Johnny Toe, I think, are misses. I think they're all quite I mean, good. Oh, yeah, I'm annoying. Johnny Toe has not missed. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's probably one or two in there, but even his misses are admirable. Maybe I'll give you like a, a stumble, but he caught himself. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he's he makes a lot of movies, and it's also not really his fault. Sometimes it's kind of like the uh, the government. He makes movies within and around. We'll get. Uh, we keep saying we're going to talk about the Hong Kong China film industry one day. Um, but you know, the his new movie is is quite good, and it's I, I would highly recommend seeing it. It's kind of a, it's a great title, Detectives versus Sleuths. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of a sequel to Mad Detective. Okay. I mean, Mad Detective is a fucking basically perfect movie. Yeah, I like Mad Detective a lot. Although me and uh, Ben, Sa- ben Sachs and I saw it together. So it was me and the Chicago Reader going toe-to-toe on if Blind <laughs> Detective or Mad Detective was a better movie. Oh, Blind Detective. See, thank you. That's what I said. I think the blind detective is the superior. There's mad detective doesn't have a scene where the guy is trying to get to the bathroom and he, <laughs> yeah. bumping into everything all over the big ass house. I love that. <laughs> it's like Ever. that that movie is like Pierre Attacks level of, <laughs> yeah. of just like like physical comedy that can't come from studying it, like comes from being cursed with it from when you were a child. <laughs> well, it goes to my saying that all like Hong Kong filmmakers, especially that era, uh, Wa Cafe, Johnny Toe, sure, uh, Choi Hark, they love more than anything Looney Tunes yep. and 1930s Depression era comedies. Yeah, that's why they love Keaton. That's why they think Chaplin's yeah. an LOL. <laughs> yeah, I mean, John Woo made a movie that's like a Chinese, uh, you know, tramp. He's supposed to be the the, yeah. the Chaplin character. Yeah, which is uh, very <laughs> funny. It's, it's, like, it's like when I show I showed someone the entirety of the Better Tomorrow trilogy recently, mm. 
And first I told them, I was like, it peaks at three because Troy Hawk finally steps into the director's seat instead of just writing them and producing them. But I love them all, obviously. But they were it, the dumbest shit was they were watching number two and they were like, wow, this film just meant so much to me. Like, I just couldn't, like, it just, it had me in pieces. I was crying throughout the whole thing. And I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? I was like, that's a Looney Tunes movie. What are you talking about crying? Those emotional beats are supposed to be a joke. (laughs) They're not, there's nothing. And that's the thing. We were talking about these filmmakers and John Woo. It's like, I like John Woo, but the more I've aged and I watch his movies, I don't get the same, like, um, I I don't get any emotional response. I don't think you're supposed to. You're not. Maybe the first one. Maybe. Maybe the third one you do, though. Well, the third you do because, well, the, I mean, that's the day, and people are already going to be mad about this for sure, but that's when you take a really incredible craftsman like John Woo and you exchange it for a master filmmaker like Troy Hawk, and that's what you can get, where you can still make Looney Tunes and it can still punch you in the gut. And I'm sorry John Woo never did that, if you ask me. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, John Woo also never had the balls to start a movie like Love in the Time of Twilight, which is just like uh, those weird-ass faux Looney Tunes, like yes. 3D images, which is so <laughs> twisted. Um, and also, maybe this will be a future episode or at some point, or maybe there's not enough to do on it, but it's funny to view those Better Tomorrow movies through the lens of work partnership between John Woo and Choi Hark and how much they like hated oh, definitely. you can feel it well that's why number two especially I was so shocked that this person was hit so hard emotionally but I was like because that one that one it feels a little bit like infernal affairs too <laughs> even where you're just like what happened here that no one had a like stronghold on what was supposed to happen yeah totally um, like one one I get one slaps for sure two is super fascinating if you're obsessed with hong kong movies and the people who are trying to make them and then three of course you know it's just the just the another movie the coup de think that movie's boring are idiots oh boring i don't know who this is but i suspect they've crossed the fray and cannot come back from i'll tell you, they, I'll tell you did how destroyed their septums are from all here, that cocaine here's who did it i put it in the chat <laughs> boring okay yeah there's too much yeah. you need to you need to reach up your nose with both your fists and dislodge the cocaine i don't think this person's doing cocaine no no, no i don't either it's a metaphor <laughs> anyway don't you all wish you knew who i just put in the chat to will yep it rhymes with troy hawk <laughs> rhymes with will's name uh all right all you users out there users oh good <laughs> This is sound a lot like Hopheads. <laughs> All you listeners out there, if you hey, think Hopheads is boring, please come at us. Yeah, seriously. You're making enemies fast. Come at us hard. All right, I'm going to pee also. Well, folks, let me tell you about our sponsor. Our sponsor is Sushi Taku. These are the people that delivered my sushi this evening. I'm extremely embarrassed to admit that. I, I ordered sushi, but I really needed something on the fresher side, and I just couldn't help myself, and I tipped well. So I tip a lot better, though, if, uh, you know, we get a Patreon account set up sometime soon. Since Will's in the bathroom, I'll go to the bathroom, too. <laughs> I wonder what Will's doing. 
Let's everyone take a guess at what Will's doing right now. Oh, oh I, I have to piss too. I'm just going to take the computer with me. I can't move my computer. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Here we go. Wait, let's get it while you're pissing. Let's get into what we're here for. Yeah. What are we talking about today? Uh, our buddy. Our, our, our really best hard. friend. <laughs> you have to leave this in. I'm gonna. <laughs> this is the intro. Okay. So I won't waste time. I am not gonna waste time. Everyone good. Okay, so know. last last week we uh we started something. We we started a train. And turns out it's a Trans-Siberian Express and it cannot be stopped. Mm-hmm. It cannot be stopped. We started the train of none other than Armand White or Armand White, however mm-hmm. you wanted. However you choose to say it. Um, I like Gussie and his name up. I like saying Armand. Armand what? Armand what? How about the Armand what? Um, so we started that train and turns out, <laughs> for whatever reason, you guys liked it. So we've decided to keep going and we're going to, this one's going to be a little more nuanced than the last one. <laughs> well, we just wanted to intro you all. We wanted to intro you. So this time we're going to, First, get into some current affairs of uh, what this guy's up to in the land of the Twitter sphere. Let's let's read his bio real quick. Yeah, why don't you? Yeah, hit his bio, and then we'll check in on Twitter, and then we're gonna, I think, close shit out uh, talking about one of the things that led us both to him. Yes. So this will all, I think, serve to be part of this the first of these episodes. So if you didn't hear this and you move on to all about our mom part two. You're going to miss the intro. Now we're forcing you to listen to the one that isn't about Armand in the title, but it is. Oh, I like that. That's good. It is. Because next, what we're going to talk, what we're going to finish with will be its own thing. So, Flagellation. So we're looking at Mr. Armand White. It's conflicting years of when he was born. Oh, really? To, uh, to Wikipedia. It says he was either born in 53 or 54. Hmm. But he is either 68 or 69. And you know what our vote is. I hope to God he's 69. So, White was born in Detroit. Youngest of seven children. Uh, His family was the first African-American family to move to a primarily Jewish neighborhood on the city's northwest side where he grew up. He was raised Baptist. He later became Pentecostal. And he identifies himself as a believer. I also found another quote of how he identifies himself. I really had to dig to find this one. Um, He says, quote, if you cut me open, this is what you'd find. The movies, Bible verses, and Motown lyrics. Damn, that's pretty cool. Yeah, you slice that man open, that's what's going to fall out. Um, and there are people who would love to slice this man open. His interest in journalism and film criticism began as a student at Detroit's Central High School when he first read Kiss Kiss, Bang Bang, mm-hmm. by a film critic named Pauline Kale, whom he cites for her willingness to go against the hype. Wow, this is tiny. Right. Last up. It is. Um yeah, he loves Saris too. He said like some for his sophisticated love of cinema. Um, he received a master of fine arts, at Columbia University in 1997. So he then became the arts editor for the City Sun, 
he wrote about music, film, and theater from 84 to 96, where he probably was most known for was when he was hired by the New York Press in 97, uh, until that closed down in like August 2011. And then he became an editor for City Arts. Now, here's where we're going to get a little controversial. <laughs> he became a member of the National Society of Film Critics and the New York Film Critics Online. He was the three-time chairman of the New York Film Critics Circle. Oh, he's not anymore. And he has served as a member of the jury at Sundance, Tribeca, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I taught some classes at Columbia. Um, in 2014, he was expelled from the New York Film Critics Circle for uh-huh. <laughs> for alleged, allegedly uh, heckling Steve McQueen uh, for 12 years a slave. It doesn't say in this what he did, but he basically called Steve McQueen a doorman and a hack okay. for making 12 years a slave. And did he do that? Because I've, I've read differing accounts of whether he actually did that at that event. Yes, there are people who claim that they have heard him, uh, that they heard him say it. Um, I believe uh, Will's favorite, Owen Gleiberman. <laughs> Entertainment Weekly's finest. Yes, Owen Gleiberman. Uh, he wrote a big piece in 2014 for for Entertainment Weekly called Why Armin White Got Kicked Out of the New York Film Critics Circle. Um, uh, White had basically dismissed 12 Years a Slave as torture porn, and I'm not going to disagree with him on that. That's part of the, the, the many people who've been really upset at me. Yeah. To that movie referencing it similarly anyway well as amy poehler said at the oscars 12 years a slave made me think differently about slavery (laughs) before i saw that movie i thought it was dope man i will never think of slavery in the same way she thought it she truly was like i all right look guys i'll admit it that awesome song and song of the south i thought it was like the birds and shit and like being a slave was really cool and then i saw this movie and turns out it might not be. Turns out some bad shit happened to these slaves. Might not be. Yeah. Well, Owen Gleiberman really hates this. He basically, yeah, he, he accuses him of uh, apparently Armin White being drunk at his table and said in number of witnesses who were within earshot, he yelled embarrassing doorman and garbage man and saying, fuck you, kiss my ass. <laughs> um... Even though where we're going to head, where we definitely don't agree with Mr. White on uh, many a thing, I got, I don't know. Sorry, guys, for the pageantry of the Academy Awards. That's funny. Yeah, well, I mean, it's not the Academy Awards, but it's the New York Film Critics Circle. But it's, it's all the same bullshit. Same. Here's a line. Um, Owen Gleiberman says, as a critic, he's passionate, perverse, furious, infuriating out of his gourd and at his best, outrageously exciting to read, which is a lot more than I was expecting from. Yeah, that's honestly a a lovely endorsement. But then he goes on to say, a lot of people despise him because he can be a bully in print and he wears the I stand alone perversity 
well, first off, you liked his perversity before this, but you don't like his I stand alone perversity of his opinions far too proudly like a military armband. Very loaded words there. And I'm sure Owen Kleberman mm -hmm. would never be pissed at someone that they didn't agree with his articles. <laughs> I mean, listen, there are things to disagree with the guy about, but he says, yet much of the dismissal of Armin is itself way too dismissive. He's an embattled critic but one who is often at war with the lockstep tendencies in our culture. And that's a noble crusade. Sure. There are days when he says that a transformer movie or a Brian De Palma movie is superior to anything by Richard Linklater or Steven Soderbergh. Peace. What? what a that's loser. a crazy sentence. I've never read that. That's nuts. What an absolute loser. I mean, whether or not he did say these things, I'm going to guess he probably did. Oh, I, I, I'd say dimes to donuts for sure. Yes, he, he flatly denies it still. But I think he, you know, probably... It's a, it's a small hearkening back to my drunken rant at the end of the last episode, but I stand by it in my not yet quite drunk stage that I'm in. But, you know, we're getting there. Um, uh -huh. I stand by it that he has the mind of a schizophrenic at a bus stop, and I mean that only with love. Fuck yeah, he said it, and fuck yeah, he's convinced he never said it, so. Hey, Will and I got our mics shut off because we got too drunk and started saying <laughs> questionable <laughs> things. So, listen, who among us has not just popped off a little bit? But uh, the, the end of the thing, I'm not going to read the whole Owen, Owen article, but he says, um, what's bizarre and distinctive and revealing about this situation, and he's talking about him getting kicked out of the New York Film Critic Circle over heckling Steve McQueen, is that Armin obviously feels that he has the right to disrupt a public event. What, what bounds of, like, decency and, like, like, what sort of rules are you abiding by that someone couldn't, like, disrupt an event if they hated the movie? I mean, listen. Oh, wait, is that public? No, it's not public. It's not a public event. No. It's not a public event. It's for these, listen, yeah. these film critics, all they have is this, really. It's the most highfalutin bullshit ever. It's not public. Fuck off. Point ruined. Again, even again, where we're going to head with Mr. White and how we feel about many of the things he says. Owen Gleiberman, Jesus Christ, man. It's not a public event. Yeah, yeah. It's not a cool assembly. Hey, Owen Gleiberman, do you want to come on the show sometime and talk about how you've never taken money from a movie studio to give a positive review? Oh, I'll destroy that bitch, man. <laughs> we got case files on you, buddy. And I do. So another, there was another thing written around this time that was in response. Actually, it might have even been before, which shows that this guy, well, you can also disagree with him, like any critic. This person didn't do it for... You know, having Manola Dargis hold a, a gun to his head to say, you better, we can't let Armin back in. <laughs> better talk shit on him. I don't, I'm kidding. I don't believe Manola <laughs> Manola Dargis would never. Come on. Yeah, just, she's a sweetheart. <laughs> <laughs> she's a sweetheart. I mean, I still, I, she still gets props to me from when Black Hat came out and she was like the only person to like try to give that movie. Oh, some you know, props to Manola many times over for being a real fucking yeah. film critic. One that pisses me off and fills me with love on the regular. Yeah, she That's broke down the, the books on Chris Hemsworth's shelf in when yeah. he was in jail. It's like, yeah. you are no. way too observant. That's a real one. That's yeah, a fucking a real, real one. 
So another real one, and maybe here's a crazy thing. We might notice a trend amongst film critics that sometimes you don't agree with them, but sometimes they're good. Weird. I think it's gross to not like something entirely and wholly with your being every second of the day. <laughs> yeah. Um, here's, a film here's, a, here's a film critic that you might have heard of. His name is Roger Ebert. And nope. he wrote an article, which is kind of funny title, not in defense of Armin White. <laughs> This was published. Uh, a fucking shit kicker. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he really was. I mean, you don't. The thing with you know with Ebert is you can go online, you can look at everything. I mean, you can do this with um, Armin too, but it's a lot of stuff that Armin wrote for Cineast you can't get. I'm still trying to find his Black Dahlia review. Oh, please do. Because he like he, I remember he really went hard on Black Dahlia, like liking yeah. it, and he made a lot of sense. Okay, so anyway, this is. Roger Ebert, not in defense of Armin White. And we'll skip over some paragraphs here, but on Thursday night, I, Roger Ebert, posted an entry in defense of Armin White's review of District 9. Overnight, I received reader comments causing me to rethink that entry, in particular, uh, this one by Wes Lawson. I realized I had to withdraw my overall defense of White. I was not familiar enough with his work, it is baffling to me that a critic could praise Transformers 2, but not Synecdoche, New York, or Death Race, but not, but not There Will Be Blood. I am forced to conclude that White is, as charged, a troll. A smart and knowing one, but a troll. My defense of his specific review still stands. But basically, he says, so an online friend sent me an email. And he said, the email said, I wonder if you've caught the firestorm of reader reactions to Armin White's negative review of the film, which has sadly inspired a sort of virtual lynch mob among readers on Rotten Tomatoes. And first off, this has not happened with just this. This has happened when he did this for toys, one of the Toy Story fucking mm-hmm. sequels. Probably most famously, he was really um, thrown onto the fire for breaking the perfect score of Get Out on the tomato meter. You got all these losers named Zachary out there <laughs> who are posting things being like, he ruined Get Out for me because it didn't, it's not a perfect tomato anymore. I don't know. I like it if it's not a perfect tomato. I mean, actually, I'm with him. If, the, if a tomato is not perfect, this is legit. I won't eat it. I hate tomatoes unless it's, you know, a perfect summer tomato. <laughs> Okay, so going on about the, the, the email that was sent to Ebert by an online friend, he says, a few readers have tried to interject in defense of free speech and free criticism, but as you know, this is how it goes on the internet. So Ebert says, I went to the comment thread and found at that time 14 pages of comments. Some of them seemed pissed primarily because White had spoiled the movie's perfect tomato meter reading. At this point, it was his negative review versus uh, 49 positives. Others focused on his customary contrarian position. Armin White can be counted on to vote against the majority on film after film. I'm not going to pretend I read all 14 pages, but I did a lot of jumping around and didn't find a single comment defending the film itself. It was White's sheer bloody mindedness that got to them. Unlike the parent majority of those readers, I have seen the film. It enraged some readers when White wrote, that cartoonish mothership image suggests the high concept inanity featured in 
Children of Men in Cloverfield. It's apocalyptic silliness, not ominously beautiful like the civilization and peril tableau that caps Roy Anderson's You, the Living. Damn. Wow, that's his pull in that? I didn't yeah. know. Holy yeah. shit. Yeah. I and did then, not know all these years. I never knew he pulled Roy Anderson into it. Well, this is going to confound you even more. Ebert types the words WTF? Question mark. You, the living... The Swedish, Danish, Norwegian, German co-production playing in a few art theaters? Yes, You the Living, which does have a hell of an ending. White's comparison is completely reasonable. You the Living is certainly a better film. I fear those readers' heads may explode if they learn that We the Living is... We the Living? Okay, whatever. You the Living, We the Living, whatever the fuck it's called, is one of only three films so far this year with a perfect 100% reading on the meter. And you haven't heard of the other two. So, <laughs> point one for Armin, I guess, there. Damn. No, that's a guy. Yeah, I didn't know. I didn't know that's what he brought in. Yeah. Um, White is correct that District 9 ends in apocalyptic silliness. Let's face it. It does. It is also completely relevant for him to devote much of his review to the political subjects not buried very far beneath the movie's surface. The film is clearly a parable inspired by the South African system of apartheid, um, okay, we don't need to go into that. We don't care. I don't give a shit about this movie. Um, he's going in. Okay, so he's basically he's pointing out all these things uh, between it parallels between it being a sci-fi popcorn movie and thing about South African history. Sure. Research into that. You can. Um, you know, being, being loud and proud still racist against Nigerians and pretending it's saying something about it. Continue. But Ebert then says, my purpose is not to discuss South African history, but to point out that White is justified in bringing it up in his review. The fact that you don't know what someone is writing about is not a real good reason for disagreeing with him. Damn. More to the point is White's reputation as a critic who doesn't like anything. This is not true. It would be more accurate to say he dislikes a great many films approved by fanboys. Some might say <laughs> that about me, too. The last Tomatoes lynch mob raised against him was for his dislike of Star Trek. Man, did they hate him for that. You may be surprised to learn that White agrees, or for that matter, disagrees, with the tomato meter exactly 50% of the time. Although I agree that the meter is no gauge of a critic's quality, it looks to me that White is the epitome of the ideal critic, positioned smack dab in the middle of the scale. What makes him seem so contrarian is that the movies he loves and hates are frequently not the movies most people love and hate. Nobody has ever heard of some of the movies he loves, is the common thing said. Is it a law of a film critic if he loves a film you've never... Okay, I'm sorry. Is it a flaw of a film critic if he loves a film you've never heard of? Maybe he's on to something. Nor is White a snob. He wrote that Spielberg's AI was a profoundly philosophical and contemplative as anything by cinema's most thoughtful, speculative artists. Orzegi, Ozu, Demi, Tarkovsky. Of course, even that quote is a minefield for other critics who might not place Borzegi and Demi on the same list with Ozu and Tarkovsky, but less offensive to readers who may have heard none of them. Yes, White disagrees with most people, of the, uh, with most, people most of the time, and some people all of the time. Why is this a fault? He's an intelligent critic and a passionate writer, and he knows a very great deal about movies, dance, and other things. His opinion is often valuable because it is outside the mainstream. He works for the New York Press, an alternative paper. And why should such a paper offer a conventional... And why should such a paper offer a conventional critic? 
Okay. I guess he didn't. Ebert did not live long enough to see Armin become a writer for the National Review. But um, let's move on to the reason. Let's move on to the reasons those countless readers hate him for District 9. Um, The movie was a big hit at Comic Con that year. They've seen people saw the trailer online on YouTube alone. One trailer had a lot of views. It shows creepy insectoid aliens who get blown up real good. It also has the subtext of us against them, outsiders, unwanted <laughs> visitors. Why won't they go home? Am I hypersensitive and sensing a tinge of anti-immigrant feeling here? Who would ever dream this might be a political parable? Who among the trailer fans will see it that way? The pre-fans, and that's key, the pre-fans of District 9 hate Armin White for spoiling the 100% rating and thereby invalidating 100% support for their weekend movie choice. Shit. Here's an obvious question. Why have most of the other critics, me included, Roger Ebert, approved of the film? Well, it is undeniably original in its depiction of an alien culture and challenges the usual movie assumption that aliens will either be superior beings or very hostile ones. These aliens are just simply other intelligent creatures, weak and far from home. In certain shots, they kind of look like the Transformers. But the movie is deeper than that, but doesn't make a point of it. The writer-director, Neil Blomkamp, was born and raised until 18 in South Africa. He knew what the film was about and exactly what he did not want it to seem about. Remove the CGI spaceship over Johannesburg, make the aliens into black South South Africans, and you would have a hard-hitting depiction of apartheid and unmistakable echoes of the Sharpeville massacre. Is that what he intended? Why not? I like to repeat, if you have to ask what symbolizes, what something symbolizes, it doesn't. With District 9, you have to ask. Armin White might have been pretty much on the money. Damn. So I guess what really all we're trying to get you in the headspace there is that everybody's favorite portly film critic, Roger Ebert, can see past, as Armin would say, the politics. <laughs> he can see that there is something of an intelligent person within Armin White, but this was 2009, and Armand was about to hmm, dig his heels in. Throw the baby out with the bathwater, as it were. I think that's one way of putting it. So with that, we're going to move on to the next one. So uh, I, I guess goodbye. <laughs>